0: That time again, the Chiefs Zone podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. You enjoyed your weekend. A lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast. My name is Farzimisugi, and your host of the Chiefs Zone podcast. On the docket for this show, the Chiefs signed former Raiders and Redskins cornerback David Emerson. And I'll tell you what, this is a dark horse pickup. I am very excited for this pickup, as I mentioned on social media. I'll talk about that later on. But there's also speculation after that signing that the Chiefs could be trading Marcus Peters. Who's reporting this and what are other insiders saying about this? I will share all of that later on. Also, ESPN released its top five offseason suggestions for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, They've got some interesting notes here that I definitely want to touch on later on. Plus, one Chiefs player... Want to make an addition on the back of his jersey. I'll tell you why that is worth bringing up here on this podcast. Also, you will not believe this. One NFL team is ready to pay a player 60 million dollars. I did not say 16. I said 60, 60, 60 million in their first year. That much money they're willing to give up in just one year for one player. We'll talk about that later on. In the podcast. A lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. You guys know the drill. Facebook.com slash Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well at Farzine21. You guys can also email me farzine at com. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't yet. If you're a returning listener, odds are you already have. If you're new to the podcast, hey, welcome in. Always great to have new listeners along the Chiefs on Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, share it with your friends on social media, and let them know about the Chiefs on Podcast. Spread the word about the Chiefs on Podcast. All right, I mentioned the big story for the Kansas City Chiefs that came out Friday night when it was reported that the Chiefs signed David Emerson. But before I get into that, I want to touch on something that I posted on Facebook Saturday morning. Because when I was... I'll, I'll get to the David Emerson signing in a moment. I, there's a lot to talk about with that, especially adding the fact that Kendall Fuller will, uh in less than a month, officially be a Kansas City Chief. There's a lot to talk about with the Kansas City Secondary and also the Marcus Peters rumors. We'll, we'll get into all of that. But, Saturday morning... When, when I saw this uh, Friday night, I was excited. I really was. And the next morning on Saturday, I posted something and I said... Brett Veach has to be pissed off, just like all of us. Why is he pissed off? Well, look at how the last two playoff games ended against the Steelers and against the Titans. And we don't need to go over the details, but you guys know that you guys know everything that happened: losing to a kicker and blowing a big lead, both at Arrowhead Stadium. And I'll tell you what, I said this after the Steelers lost, and I said this after the Titans lost. I just don't know how I can really feel confident moving forward with this football team. Maybe they start off 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. I mean, they've they've been able to get off to good starts in recent memory. We've seen it four times since 2003. But, is it all going to be for nothing, just like the, these these four seasons where the Chiefs... We're the last football team to drop a football game. And that is something that I'm really struggling with moving forward. But seeing what Brett Veach has done so far in the 8 short months that he has been the general manager of the Chiefs, I've got to say I don't know if I truly have felt this much optimism with a general manager Because when you look at Scott Pioli, what was his big major move? Okay, well, he brought in Matt Castle. And, you know, we're in an era now, and at the time it was kind of rare, but nowadays we're seeing guys that succeed in just a short time span, they they get some of the biggest paychecks ever. And at the time, the six-year, $63 million deal for Matt Castle certainly was not one I was forced. A lot of people were... Uh, Up and down about it. Lots of mixed reactions at the time, I remember, in 2009. Brought in Zach Thomas from the Dolphins. Brought in Mike Vrabel. Of course, Zach Thomas ended up being let go before the regular season kicked off. Mike Vrabel didn't do a whole lot for the Kansas City Chiefs. The following year, did a couple of good things. Uh, Signing a couple of key offensive linemen, Wigman and Ryan Liljohn. Also adding a big running back and Thomas Jones. And of course, that would end up being a great duo in 2010, despite how Todd Haley handled that, but uh Scott Pioli did a couple of big things for the Kansas City Chiefs, but it ended shortly after that. You didn't see a lot of big moves from Pioli after 2010. Just just made a couple of good moves on the offensive side of the football, and that was really it for, the, for Scott Pioli in terms of some of his highlights as a GMO of the Chiefs. John Dorsey? And I mentioned this to a couple of people on social media as we had this discussion on Saturday. Everyone knows about Brett Veach and what he's trying to do to fix this whole cap situation. That the Chiefs got themselves stuck into with uh, with Dorsey. And immediately, what did Dorsey do in his first offseason as a GM of the Chiefs? He gave Dwayne Bowe a big contract and he also gave Dustin Colquitt a big contract. Made Dustin Colquitt at the time the highest paid punter. In the NFL. So now what do you see right here. With Brett Veach. You're seeing a guy that's trying to clean up the mess. That John Dorsey created. Trying to clean it up. And he's done a pretty damn good job at that so far. In addition to that. He's already bringing in. Some some talented football players. And more so on the defensive side of the football. And specifically at the quarterback spot. And listen I've said this before. And i said this. When I was debating if the Chiefs should or shouldn't let go of Darrell Revis, uh I talked, I, and I've said this many times uh, over the years here on the podcast, uh, as well as in social media and discussions uh, w- with you guys, but I don't think there is such thing as having enough cornerbacks. In, in an era now where quarterbacks are just throwing the football more than they ever have before, and we're starting to see a couple of quarterbacks reach the 5,000 yard mark, the 4,000 yard mark was. Very hard to do. You would only see two QBs do it. And now we're seeing quarterbacks, uh, a few of them get to the 5,000-yard mark nowadays. So would it hurt to have some really good cornerbacks? Two, three, even four really good cornerbacks as part of your secondary? And... Brett Veach has been able to, to to bring in some guys so far. this Free agency hasn't even begun. Now, I know the whole Kendall Fuller thing, that's, that's not official yet, of course. But it will be on March the 14th, maybe a day later. But wh- what Brett Veach has done so far... And I hate to say this because I'm trying not to get my hopes up. You guys, and I've, I've made this comparison before with KU basketball. I'm a, I'm a big KU fan, but the basketball team, I, I just, it's so hard for me to get so excited because we've seen so many early exits with this basketball team. And the, and the same thing with the Chiefs. They have some great regular seasons only to not win in the playoffs. I mean, it's no secret. We've talked about it shortly after the Titans loss. Just some of the great players. The Chiefs, you could make a case in the past 25 years in just the one playoff win they've got. They've had probably some of the best players at all 22 positions, yet they only have one playoff win to show for it. Arguably one of the best tight ends in NFL history. A plethora of amazing running backs. Over the year here in Kansas City, some great offensive linemen that have played for the Chiefs, and some amazing guys uh, on defense. Uh, some some great sack masters, and Jared Allen, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston, uh, uh, some great ball hawking defensive backs over the years. Uh, Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, a lot of great players on this football team over the years, and now you are seeing guys like Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends right now. Uh, Tyree Kill of course one of the most exciting explosive offensive weapons in the game but uh, no matter how much the Chiefs try to bolster their team there's always that one or two holes on the team and that's more than enough to hurt this team in the end when it comes to the biggest games which are in January in the postseason. So I, I just have a hard time wanting to get excited but Maybe, uh, maybe I'm, I'm gonna fall for it again. I don't know. Maybe this time, the tides are turning, and there is a valid reason to really believe in this football team. I don't know. You guys tell me. Maybe I'm I'm, be, I'm being too optimistic when I shouldn't. But the job that Brett Veach has done since taking over the the team and really right before training camp, and now he's having his first full off season as the Chiefs. He He's done a great job so far. He really has. And I wrote about this not too long ago at Arrowhead Addict. I feel like he's done a lot more than Scott Pioli and John Dorsey have combined. John Dorsey, yeah, sure, he brought in the Alex Smith, but really at the end of the day, and listen, he had some great draft picks too. Uh, that should never be forgotten. But I feel like, you know, under... Carl Peterson and and, and Scott Pioli, there were some great draft picks too there. A lot of late late round guys. I mean, guys like Dante Hall, Jared Allen, Brandon Flowers ended up doing well eventually. Uh, Jamal Charles, of course, a third round pick. I mean, we've seen late round picks, uh, some great late round picks before John Dorsey. So it's not like John Dorsey brought in uh, some new... Uh, some new level of excitement because of some late round picks. Of course, got Marcus Peters, uh, a steal late in the first round. Uh, Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, uh, Mar- I mean, some great players there. C- certainly, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, what you see with this Chiefs football team is that there were just a couple of big draft picks for for the Chiefs while John Dorsey was the GM, Brett Veach. So far, he's been adding some big name, and I don't want to say big, I take back the name big name free agents, but I'll say that, I'll use this word, underrated players who are now coming to Kansas City, and at the end of the day, he's getting them for a very cheap price, and this is what Kansas City needs right now, and listen, we could talk about money spent and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if you are winning football games, it doesn't matter how much money you're spending. If you're spending enough to win, and if it's getting you to playoff wins and to that Lamar Hunt trophy as well as the Vince Lombardi trophy, who, who cares who's making how much? I mean, that can all, uh, the GM can deal with that on his own time if players are wanting more money for the job they're doing. But it, if it's leading to success one way or another, then who cares? Uh, you know, John Dorsey overpaid a lot of guys. And, and Justin Houston, we talked about this last week. You know, Is he really worth that kind of a contract? But man, Brett Veach, he knows some of these guys aren't worth the money. like Guys like Derek Johnson or Darrell Rivas, Alex Smith. And has parted ways with these guys. And here we are, Brett Veach making a lot of moves. And trying to do everything to put the Chiefs really in position to have no excuses Come the 2018 season and hopefully the 2018 postseason. Let me know your guys' thoughts on Brett Veach so far. Because I think, if anything, with, with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about here on this podcast. And even for uh, the, the next uh, few weeks. Uh, this offseason. We, we've we got to keep going back to Brett Veach. And the job that he is doing to really help this football team, at the end of the day, get over this long drought of a playoff win at home and also that Super Bowl victory. Something that a lot of us, a lot of us have never even tasted before. Never even had a chance to see our own team be able to to, to capture something like that. Because that's the ultimate goal for all 32 NFL teams is to win the Super Bowl. And what has Brett Veach done so far? He's brought in a couple of Good cornerbacks. Well, at least one cornerback that's officially a Chief, David Amerson, former Washington Redskins and Oakland Raider. And I'll tell you what, this is a dark horse pickup for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, last year, not a good year for David Am- Let me do- Before I move on, uh, and I don't know how iTunes does it exactly, uh, how, m- how many of the episodes are archived, but for those who do download the podcast straight, if you still have them, go back and listen to some of the Chiefs and Raiders breakdowns that I've done uh in years past maybe not last year but years before I have mentioned David Amerson's name and I've always said that David Amerson is a very underrated running back or excuse me quarterback and when Sean Smith went over to to Oakland I have said that Sean Smith and David Amerson is going to be a very good duo I've always spoken very highly of David Amerson and I've I was thrilled when I saw the notification from Bleacher Report on my phone that he's coming. That the Chiefs picked him up. It crossed my mind that the Chiefs could sign him when it was announced earlier this month that the the Raiders are letting him go. But I thought, look, if they're getting Kendall Fuller and they probably are not interested in another quarterback. But sure enough, Brett Veach went out there and made a move for him, and I think that's great. Here are some of the numbers, uh, statistically speaking, from 2013 to 2015. With the Washington Redskins, two picks, one touchdown, 18 pass deflections. Now, the same year, 2015, went over to the Oakland Raiders. Played just two games for the for the Redskins in 2015, but went over to Oakland. Numbers went up a little bit. Six interceptions, one t- touchdown on defense, and 35 pass deflections. Now, last year, didn't play a whole lot. Suffered a foot injury in Week 7 and missed the remainder of the season. So, obviously, 2017, a year that David Amerson certainly wants to forget, But, even though he doesn't have necessarily some of the most eye-popping stats out there, this guy's a very good cornerback. Statistics may not show it, but if you believe in some of those premier statistics out there, such as the Pro Football Focus, well then let me read this to you. November of 2016, Pro Football Focus released an article... Showcasing their top 25 cornerbacks, top 25 rated cornerbacks, that is. And keep in mind with Pro Football Focus, the best player, uh, in other words, the best quarterback, might not necessarily be the top rated quarterback uh, in terms of just overall play. They've got some, uh, they've got a weird system with their uh, rankings. I remember Aaron Rodgers threw five touchdowns against the Chiefs but his rate, uh, his rating from pro football focus was a 2.2 or something to that effect because Rodgers threw an intercept their logic was Rodgers threw an interception to the chiefs uh on a uh, on a on a dead uh, on, on an offsides play a play that a free play essentially e- even though that didn't count pro football focus held it against him i remember jamal charles he was not considered elite because Rating-wise, he was not a top-five running back in a couple of the years he was with the Chiefs. And I, th- I think people tend to think that just because someone's rated high by Pro Football Focus, they're the best. Uh, the The Chargers had a tight end this year that was ranked above Gronk and Kelsey. Can Can any of you guys name that tight end? I mentioned his name on the podcast, and I mentioned that rating, but does anyone even remember his name? That player is Hunter Henry. I don't know how many people out there, how many football fans can really tell you who Hunter Henry is. Played 14 games for the Chargers last year. Had 45 catches, 579 yards, and 4 touchdowns, and was at one point ranked above Gronk and Kelsey by Pro Football Focus. So again, I don't know the exact machinations that go behind some of their ratings. And by the way, for what it's worth, he finished second in just behind Gronk on the ratings. And look, we all know that Hunter Henry is not the second best tight end in the NFL. Certainly not. So, uh, just keep that in mind. With that said, Pro Football Focus released their top 25 cornerbacks in November of, of 2016. uh, Pretty much late in the season. And up to that point, David Emerson was ranked 13th. Right behind teammate... And former chief Sean Smith in ahead of Marcus Peters and Richard Sherman. And again, he's not necessarily better than Marcus Peters and Richard Sherman, but but by that rating, Pro Football Focus looked at that and said It's his coverage that put him so high. Let me give you an example. Marcus Peters, and I and I don't have the ratings. I, I used to have the premiere, uh, the actual like Big time statistics that Pro Football Focus provided, but uh, now they charge you thousands of dollars for that. It used to be, I think, just a $25 annual charge, and now they charge you a hell of a lot more uh for those detailed premier stats. But Marcus Peters uh was not a very highly rated quarterback during his rookie season. As you may remember, he had eight interceptions, which tied for first in the NFL that year as a rookie. So why was he not rated so high? Well, he also allowed the most touchdowns and the second most receiving yards uh, among quarterbacks that year. So there are a lot of things that Pro Football Focus puts in, 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 into perspective here. Uh, they they consider your statistics, such as interceptions and pass deflections, but they also look at how, well, how many yards are you allowing? How many catches are you allowing? Uh, what's your coverage like? And David Amberson, even though he's allowed some plays, his coverage has been fairly good for the most part. And that's also a similar thing with Kendall Fuller and why he was rated 5th last year in the NFL by pro football focus among quarterbacks. So that's just something to keep in mind. And listen, he he allowed a bit more yards than he did in years past in 2016 and 2017 while also... Uh, making a bit more of an impact, however, I, and I said this with Kendall Fuller, and I'll say it with Amerson too, I think uh, the yards allowed the uh, improvement that he needs to make there, I think those improvements will come along when you have coaches like Andy Reid, Bob Sutton as your defensive coordinator, and Ahmed Thomas as your secondary coach, and uh, let me go back to Bob Sutton, because I'm sure a lot of you guys chuckle at that, but Let me just say this. Bob Sutton, I don't necessarily like his play calling. I think that we can agree on. But his coaching style, really one of the best. A lot of people learn from... And if you listen to some national radio like I do, such as Sirius XM's NFL Channel or ESPN Fox Sports, those guys, especially scouts that have been around the game of football for a long time, Bob Sutton is one of the most highly praised defensive guys out there behind romeo cornell and dick lebeau people really do think highly of bob sutton not saying he's necessarily a top five defensive coordinator uh surely we've seen and again let's not forget in 2013 nearly the same roster but this chief's defense started to play more way more lights out under andy Reid and bob sutton as well as emma thomas Uh, who who stayed with this football team. Well, One of only two coaches who stuck around uh, after the new regime came in. So, David Amerson is going to be surrounded by a lot of great coaches. And, of course, going to be playing alongside guys like uh, Kendall Fuller, who we can certainly learn from. Can certainly learn from Marcus Peters and Eric Berry, also part of the secondary. So, I mean, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of great company and you're going to learn a lot when you are... In and around, some great guys, uh, coaches and players in the locker room, in the meeting room, on the field, and hopefully off the field as well when it comes to just team bonding, uh, trying to spend some more time together with these guys. This is going to be a very exciting secondary to watch in 2018. I'm really excited about this. Hopefully Justin Houston can improve and be similar to his 2013 or 2014 form and stay healthy because if he can do that and if... The Chiefs can get really improve with the front seven this season. This secondary is going to come away with a lot of interceptions, similar to how they did in 2013 and 2016. I mean, on paper, this is an exciting group of defensive backs. Marcus Peters, Kendall Fuller, David Amerson, Eric Berry. We'll see what happens with Ron Parker if he doesn't end up being a cap casualty. Uh, But gosh, uh, it's really hard to not get excited about what the secondary could bring in 2018. This could really be probably the best secondary in 2018. I don't know on paper what, what team could top what the Chiefs have. But I think by the time it's all said and done... At the end of the 2018 regular season, we'll look at this Chiefs secondary and, and bearing any injury. Hopefully, you, you need some luck there too. This could be the best secondary in the NFL. That is one that I'm very excited in, in watching for 2018. And and I, I don't think this gets gets discussed enough, but Emma Thomas, really a great position coach. I certainly am surprised that he's not a defensive coordinator. I know he was an interim head coach briefly with the Atlanta Falcons. But man, this is somebody who I feel like a lot of players, uh, guys like Brandon Flowers, once Emma Thomas came to Kansas City, you saw Brandon Flowers become a better cornerback. Marcus Peters, his game certainly went up. I mean, if Marcus Peters had Emma Thomas as his coach in college, Marcus Peters probably would have been a top five pick. And if we get a redo with that 2015 draft, Marcus Peters is taken in the top five for sure. Eric Berry, of course, he's gotten better and better as a safety. Uh, Some bad luck here and there with injuries and, of course, his health in 2014. Uh, And who knows how high uh, some of his stats would be had he been able to uh, play and stay healthy and just stay on the field for all 16 games since 2010 being drafted by the Chiefs fifth overall. There are a lot of things to really look forward to, and, and... Emma Thomas has a big hand in in some of those guys in the secondary succeeding, and I think that's going to be one thing that you definitely have got to give him credit for, uh, especially in 2018 when you see these guys, uh, these defensive backs, make some plays and come away with a lot of turnovers. That's going to be a big thing for the Chiefs, something they did not do a good job of, and uh, a big setback from 2016 to 2017. Hopefully they can reverse that back in 2018. Now, speaking of the secondary, there's a lot of speculation that Marcus Peters could get traded. Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports, and before I read his tweet, I understand Lockenfora not the not a not a guy that people in Kansas City like because of his anti-Royals commentary, and and because Kansas City fans hold that against them, it, it carries over to the Chiefs. So. People just aren't big fans of Jason Locke and his work simply because of his bias against Kansas City. So, with that out of the way, here's what he tweeted on Monday. He says, continue to hear chatter that Marcus Peters may not be long for KC figure that intensifies next week at the Combine. And this created a whole new storm of speculation and tweets and a lot of articles on sports blogs and and just a lot of people wondering what exactly could be going on with Marcus Peters yeah sure he had some maturity problems in 2017 things we did not see from the only issue with Marcus Peters was him punting the football into the stands a couple of times in 2016 but 2017 it went to another level and we, we know the list of things and I, I don't have them written down here but Man, if I had to say them off the top of my head, I'm sure I'd be forgetting something. The the interaction with the fan at one point that he was caught on Monday Night Football. The uh, back and forth verbal altercation with Bob Sutton. Uh, the, the the locker room interviews. Of course, uh, the r- rumor about him and uh, going at it with a coach. And that's what led to a suspension. The incident where he tossed a flag into the stands against the Jets. A lot of things with Marcus Peters. Twenty. 2017 was not a good year for Marcus Peters in terms of just good PR. In fact, it was bad PR. Now, a lot of Chiefs fans might be wondering, is there any truth to this? Well, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there are other insiders who have shared their thoughts on this and what they're hearing. Mike Garofalo, uh he uh, tweeted... And he also uh, spoke about this on NFL Network, and this is on a day where Ian Rappaport was absent, but he also spoke for Ian Rappaport when he said this. He said that the cornerback trade rumors of Marcus Peters, no one has told him nor Rappaport that it's going to happen. Nobody's ruling it out necessarily. However, Garofolo mentioned that indications are ongoing that there are ongoing talks with with any team, you can never rule out anything. Is what he's saying. He says again, he won't rule it out, but Peters will remain a chief. Foro is the only one that is reporting and, and, and has tweeted that Marcus Peters could be out of Kansas City soon. I understand the issues with what uh, he, the distractions, essentially. But is he, I mean, is he somebody that, that his teammates hate? I mean, listen, and I and I use the Larry Johnson example. You may remember when Larry Johnson was let go by the Chiefs in 2009. He signed with the Bengals. And when the Chiefs and Bengals played, Larry Johnson went at it with Demario Williams after a running play. So that tells you, certainly there were some issues... With Larry Johnson and some of the other Chiefs in the locker room when he was on the team. And I know LJ's spoken publicly and, and says how much of that he takes back. How many times have we heard about Marcus Peters going at it with a teammate? He was seen front row in Kansas City at the Sprint Center of, of an NBA preseason game with Derek Johnson and... And Charkandrick West. In fact, when uh, the Chiefs and Redskins were playing on Monday Night Football, they were showing the National Anthem. And Marcus Peters, of course, sat, sitting as the... I forgot to mention the protest, of course. That, of course, it caught a lot of attention. But when Marcus Peters was protesting, uh, sitting on the bench, Charkandrick West stands in front of the camera, basically shielding Peters from the camera during the Anthem. Now again, we can agree or disagree on uh, on all of that, but at my point here is that if another teammate on the Chiefs felt the need to go and shield Peters from, uh, from a from a cameraman while he was protesting, I, I think Marcus Peters has a fairly solid relationship, a good working professional relationship with his teammates. So the only issue is is just his maturity. When things don't go his way. And I think that is something that absolutely must be worked on. Continue to work on that with him. Because this is a damn good football player. You cannot afford to lose Marcus Peters. After adding Kendall Fuller and David Amerson. You've got an amazing secondary to work with here. If you lose Marcus Peters. I don't know if this group of cornerbacks. Is still as strong. While Emerson and Fuller are good, in my opinion, and I've said and I've said Emerson several times how much I think he's underrated. I don't think these guys are necessarily a good number one, number two cornerback duo necessarily. Maybe at some point in their careers they can get to that point, but not right now. You need a guy like Marcus Peters on your football team. So, you know, take Lock and Fora's information for what you will, and same thing with Garofolo and what he. ...reported earlier this week on Tuesday. So, I'm sure when, when uh, the Combine takes place... ...Andy Reid and Brett Veach, they're going to be approached... ...and the number one question is... ...what the heck's going on with Marcus Peters? Are these rumors true? What, what What's happening here? They'll either squash them... ...meaning, hey, yeah, he's certainly not on the trade block... ...or they will simply just shut down those questions... And maybe not necessarily deny it, but maybe that'd be a hint that they're shopping him. Hopefully that's not the case. Because, and I see a lot of Chiefs fans who are quick to rule out Lock and Fora's tweet simply because he hates Kansas City. Look, I mean, I understand the the hatred there, but uh, who knows uh, if he's getting it from a source that maybe only he knows of. Uh, I'm not ruling that out either. I, I'm keeping an open mind with this. I really am. I'll have an open mind about it until Andy Reid and Brett Veach are asked about this at the Combine next week. A couple other things I want to get into. Uh, and We'll go back to Marcus Peters shortly here. But ESPN created their top five offseason recommendations for the Kansas City Chiefs. Number one on that list, Katamba Bahali. We talked about this last podcast, how much he's taken from the cap and, and how much the Chiefs would be able to save from that. So, that, I mean, we talked about it a lot in the last podcast. If you missed it, go check it out from last week's podcast. Number two, instead of trading Marcus Peters, ESPN is suggesting that the Chiefs pick up Marcus Peters' 50 year option. And I would strongly be for that. And I look. People, and I've seen this a lot, people are excited at how Brett Veach has been saving a lot of money. But there are a lot of people out there who don't like for teams to spend money. They don't like for their team to spend a lot of money. And I I remember a couple of years ago, people said, hey, look, let Eric Berry walk. He's going to be expensive. We can find another safety out there, another Eric Berry out there. I said, absolutely, no, you cannot find another Eric Berry out there. Eric Berry and Earl Thomas both were part of the same draft class. And since 2010, there has not been another safety out there as great, as elite, as those two safeties. Yeah, I mean, we've got guys like Harrison Smith, a very good safety in the NFL. But nowhere near uh, the level, I mean, there's Harrison Smith great. And then you've got just two damn great safeties in Eric Berry and Earl Thomas. And we haven't seen another great safety come out of college and go for the draft since 2010 since those two guys so i I, listen when when you have an amazing talented player and when their contract's up they want a new deal they want to get paid you cannot be afraid of spending money. look at patrick mahomes sure i mean you've got him for just a couple of million dollars now but given these quarterback craziness we see with contracts Patrick Mahomes could soon be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. I don't know. But if he's doing a damn good job for the next couple of years, you've got to open up the checkbook and put a lot of zeros on there. If he's worth it, sure, do it. And I think Marcus Peters, if he... And I'll tell you this, maybe the 50-year option's a little too early. But if he can show some signs of improvement from last year, because last year was a bit of a step back. Still good, just a bit of a step back. But if he can make improvements... And do better, pick up that 50-year option right away, Brett Veach. And you know Brett Veach will not waste an opportunity doing so. Number three suggestion, find an inside linebacker. Sure, obvious one. They let go of Derek Johnson, Reggie Ragland came on strong late last year for the Chiefs when he got an opportunity but they definitely need a reliable reliable guy next to him maybe they have it in Remington Wilson maybe they they want to find someone else out there either through the draft or free agency that remains to be seen number 4 this one I've also discussed find a backup quarterback Tyler Bryce certainly not a reliable guy uh especially a guy who had never played a snap in the NFL since joining the the NFL and the Chiefs in 2013 and he got his first opportunity last year when the Chiefs played the Broncos in Week 17. And it just did not look good at all. And with Patrick Mahomes, who's essentially still a rookie. I mean, what Patrick Mahomes is going to do is going to be a learning experience like any rookie player. This is going to be the, be his real rookie season in 2018. And if things just happen to go go badly for him or if he gets injured, you want a veteran out there ready to come in as a backup. So hopefully the Chiefs can find that veteran backup QB through free agency this offseason. The last one, and another important one here, find a punter. And a lot of people, when I posted these uh, top five recommendations, people were confused about the whole punter situation. I I don't think a lot of people were aware that Dustin Colquitt is currently without a contract. And when you look at some of his numbers, he's certainly an average guy. I, I think... You know, as as a unit, we see Dustin Colquitt get a lot of punts uh, that that are pinned deep against uh, opposing team territory. But I think a lot of that has to do with how the Chiefs do a good job with their their players on special teams that do a good job of covering punts once they are inside the 10 and the 5 and rolling in. Uh, And again, Colquitt deserves credit for that. Don't get me wrong, but you can find a lot of punters out there who can do similar things. And again... Uh, with what we saw with Harrison Butker, certainly Brett Veach is going to have an eye for some punter out there. Again, maybe in free agency or the draft, that'll come in for a much cheaper price and probably do what Colcote did, maybe even do a better job of it in 2018 and beyond. One last thing I want to talk about on this podcast before we go to our closing segments. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif Offensive lineman for the Chiefs. Wants to add something on the back of his jersey. He wants the back of his jersey to read. DuVernay Tardif. Of course there's a hyphen there. And after that. The initials MD. Which is an abbreviation for. Medicine doctor. In the medical field. And as a lot of people know. He's known as the Canadian doctor. of Of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's. Uh, of course, pursuing his dream of wanting to, uh, work in that field, which is of course a great thing. And when I first heard about this, he put in a request for this. When I first read about this, I said, look, I personally don't care what his jersey says. It could say, uh, similar to that XFL player. And I know I haven't talked about the XFL yet. Uh, I definitely want to get into that later because I do think that angle, that story is very interesting, but uh, there was a former XFL player. Uh, because uh, XFL players could put whatever they wanted on the on the back of their jerseys, and uh, one player for Las Vegas had uh he hate me on the back of his jersey. So uh, I thought to myself at first, Rene Tardif could have he hate me on the back of his jersey. I don't care as long as he's playing well. And I didn't see a lot of angles about this, but I I read some comments on social media, and I when I shared this on Facebook, you guys said this too. But a couple of you guys mentioned that it's actually a good marketing tool for himself and the Chiefs. But also, this is actually a great positive example for the NFL. And DuVernay Tardif, maybe is hard to do, but he could possibly be a role model for young kids in the NFL. This is someone that kids and young adults could look up to. Pretty much teaching everyone, and even older adults too, teaching everyone that you can do multiple things. You can be in athletics and still work to become a doctor outside of playing pro sports. Go to school while still playing sports professionally. He did that while being a member of the Chiefs. During the offseason, he spent a lot of time in school. In an era where there was so much negativity in sports, this would be a very positive story. Unfortunately... We do live in an era where the vast majority of our society loves to bask in the negative news over the positive news more often. Again, uh, some some examples with the NFL, what stories get talked about more? The protesting, the arrests, the fights that happen. And I know there, there can be some entertainment a- a- angles from this. I mean, if, uh, if, if a certain player gets arrested for, I think it was Kenny Britt who got arrested three times in one day. I mean, at that point, obviously that's embarrassing for him, but that that's just a hilarious story at that point. Like, how do you get arrested three times in one day? Fights? Okay, look. Uh, there's, of course, obviously it's an enticing thing. I mean, look at, look at police chases and how many people tune into a Facebook Live just to watch police chase and to see how that ends. There's an entertainment value behind that. I get that. And I'm guilty of it, too. Don't get me wrong. We don't often hear about charity work or a guy such as LDT going to school to become a doctor, pursuing multiple dreams at once, big dreams. They get written about by the Therese palers of the world out there, but they only get talked about for a short period of time. And rarely do, do, do these kinds of stories get picked up by the national media. And if it does get picked up by the national media, it doesn't get shared on social media that long. For example, Laurent DuVernay-Tardif's story has been shared nationally before, but it was only viral for a short period of time. Whereas Colin Kaepernick and the protesting and wearing the police pig socks or Philadelphia Eagles fans turning the city of Philadelphia into the set of The Walking Dead after a Super Bowl win. I mean, the, the pictures and the videos of those things, they get, they get shared for a long time. I'm still seeing people retweet things on, on Twitter and share certain videos on Facebook about Philadelphia Eagles fans trashing the city after the Super Bowl win. But I'm not seeing anybody talk about Laurent DuVernay-Tardif re-sharing his story. And now, this week's obviously a different story because of the news that came out that he wants to have MD on the back of his jersey. But outside of that, you, I haven't seen anyone repost that story about him and what, what he goes through in his life, being an NFL player and also working to become a doctor. The NFL should should definitely approve of this and not only approve of it, but heavily promote it. The NFL knows that they're known as that league that has a lot of protesters, and listen, we, we, we can go into detail about that for another time, uh, because there's definitely a backstory to that, whether we agree or disagree. But the NFL knows that there are more negative stories about it than positive stories. So why not do something? As a marketing tool, even though the ratings have gone down, the NFL is still king when it comes to the ratings. So do what you can to not only approve of this, but also push it. Promote it as much as you can. Make Laurent Duverde tardif one of the positive faces of the NFL, one of the role models of the NFL. Have him be out there and let people know about him. It's very hard to do with an offensive lineman, I'll admit, but it's doable. The NFL spends a lot of money promoting guys like Tom Brady, Tom Brady, excuse me, uh Kareem Hunt, Tyree Hill, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, a lot a lot of great players out there. Easily marketable guy, Drew Brees. The list goes on and on. A lot of great players. Offensive linemen don't get this kind of attention. And it's time that the NFL finds a way to work around that. And listen. If if they let Chad Johnson, who legally changed his name to Ocho Cinco, and obviously he did that as a tool to change his jersey to garner more cash for New Jersey sales, if Ocho Cinco can do that, then I think Laurent duvernay tardif should be allowed to have the initials MD on the back of his jersey. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this. A lot of you guys have been for this. In fact, I don't. I haven't seen anybody uh, say anything against this. If anything, I've seen the people. And again, this is my initial reaction at first. People have thought that, look, why does it matter so much? As long as he's playing well on the field, and listen, we see the uh, we see the junior uh, or, uh, or Robert Griffin III. third. Uh, I mean, we see those on the back of jerseys. So I think an MD certainly is a title that we should promote a little bit and prove out there that there, is, there are positive things going on in the NFL, such as a guy like Chris Long, who donated so much of his money, his entire season salary to charity, uh, and so many other great, J.J. Uh, Watt and what he did. And those kinds of things are not talked about much. Yes, J.J. Watt, all the money he raised for Houston and the flooding, thats that's great and all, but how many people talked about that? Versus Colin Kaepernick, a guy who didn't even play, people talked about that issue. And I don't get me wrong; I think the Colin Kaepernick issue should be talked about, but there was also a negative twist to that Kaepernick story. Whereas a, a, an amazing story with JJ Watt and, and Chris Long, those things don't don't get discussed much. And I think that is the NFL's fault. They've got to find it. You, you can blame the media. But listen, the media knows how to cater to their audience. The NFL, on their social media pages, on their commercials, they've got to find a way to push these kinds of stories out there. It's doable. They make a lot of money. And even though the ratings have gone down, they're still making a lot of hard cash. Look at all the the sponsorships, the the TV deals, the just the money they're making from all of that. They can spend some money in promoting guys like LDT, J.J. Watt, and Chris Long. It's doable. they just got to do it. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. You guys will not believe this story. Won't believe this. The New York Jets said they will pay and do, quote, whatever it takes to get Redskins quarterback... Kirk Cousins. Now as we know uh, Kirk Cousins, he's no longer going to be with the Redskins The Redskins traded for uh, a quarterback out there I I I can't remember his name for the life of me Uh, But the Redskins, uh, they got a new quarterback out there and Kirk Cousins is going to be available. He might be the hottest free agent quarterback this offseason The New York Post is reporting that the Jets are willing to pay $60 million in guaranteed money to get Kirk Cousins When I say sixty million guaranteed uh, dollars, there, we're talking just one season, folks. The Jets are willing to give Kirk Cousins sixty million dollars in twenty eighteen. Let me clarify: I'm not saying sixteen. I'm saying six zero, with a lot of other with six more zeros out there. That's how much money the Jets want to pay Kirk Cousins in twenty eighteen. There is no player out there worth that much money in one season. I can understand why the Redskins went into a different direction and gave that uh, other quarterback, I I can't remember his name, but they wanted to give that quarterback uh, who's aging much more money, but they don't give it to a young rising star like Kirk Cousins. Why? Perhaps Kirk Cousins is just demanding too much money and the Jets, for whatever reason, are so damn desperate that they're willing to pay $60 million in guaranteed money just for 2018. You know what? If I'm Kirk Cousins... And I understand, you know, everyone's got the dream of wanting to hoist a Lombardi trophy and all the good stuff. But you know what? I I think even at the end of the day, consider this. If a a terrible team is willing to pay me $60 million, I will just take it. Take it. And then however much money that he may make in years afterwards, be smart with the money, collect it all, retire. A lot of people are saying Conor McGregor is never going to take a punch again in the UFC. Why? Because he took a few punches from Floyd Mayweather for a few rounds and got paid $100 million for it. Why would Conor McGregor want to take another punch? Even though he's hinting at a comeback, realistically, why would he take another punch when he has all that money? If he's smart with it, if, if he doesn't just blow it all off, which people think he will... He doesn't need to step into a cage and take another punch to the face ever again. Same thing with Kirk Cousins. Get the 60 million this year, grab a few more million in a couple of years after that. You're set for life. You can feed your family, your 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 in-laws, your parents, your your, your brothers and sisters and their families. I mean, that's a lot of money to live on. If you invest on, if you invest smartly with 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 that, you just you got that money for life. Take it, man. That would be huge. Yeah, I, I can't believe the Jets are willing to do that for one player. But man, if I'm Kirk Cousins, how do you say no to that? Speaking of saying no, Gronk might be saying no to the NFL and could consider acting the Patriots. They've known about this for a couple of weeks now that Rob Gronkowski is considering acting and there are reports out there that the the Patriots are being a little bit patient, but they also want to know soon on Gronk's decision on his future. If he doesn't want to play in the NFL again, if he wants to pursue acting, they want to know soon because they want to go and address that in the offseason. Now, let me just say this. Gronk is obviously a big marketable guy in the NFL. We've We've seen him involved in so many commercials, so many... Uh, so many other things out there. Of course, he was once at WrestleMania where he took down a guy, he speared a guy, whatever. Look at Ronda Rousey. She dominated fighters in under thirty seconds in so many of her fights. It landed her modeling gigs, acting gigs. She is a horrific actor. Her even her acting in WWE at the Royal Rumble was terrible. But she's earned that. He's she she earned that opportunity. Why? Because she's Ronda Rousey. Rob Gronkowski might be a terrible actor but if he can make a lot of money out of it then why not take it look at Dwayne Johnson I know he went from being in the WWE the most electrifying guy in sports entertainment people's elbow raising eyebrow rock bottom all those good things I get it but he's done a great job as an actor Started off kind of shaky in the beginning, but still his acting was actually fairly good in those movies. Uh, Just the movies themselves, the storytelling, they weren't good early on. And of course, he's he's improved, and he's been around better movie directors and movie writers. And he's, if I'm not mistaken, the highest paid actor in Hollywood today. And it seems like he's in a a movie every month too. My point is, what, what The Rock is doing... Not many people can do a good job of it. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It's Gronk. People are going to want him, and he can make a lot of money out of that. Let's go out of bounds. I've got to admit, this uh, offseason, I've, I've been uh, invested in some hockey. Through the Olympics, through the NHL, I, I, I've actually gotten interested in the sport uh, quite a bit lately. And of course, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, uh, they're worth talking about. They're a new pro franchise, and they hold the best record in the NHL right now. And they've already shattered a big NHL record for most home wins for a first-year team with 22. And the thing about the, the Golden Knights, and I don't know the details too much of this, but with, uh, with the trade deadline coming up, and I don't know if it's over with for hockey yet, but... The Golden Knights don't necessarily need to make any moves. They're getting pl- a lot of players back from injury, key players back from injury. And we're holding the best record right now, boy, uh, this could be a great story for uh, for the Golden Knights. Uh, a brand new team in Las Vegas, a city where people thought that pro sports would be impossible to have. And it's just panned out really well. And also, the uh, you, know, you know, people always want to look at the angle with, with the shooting that happened in, in Las Vegas uh, in October, I believe. Uh, and of course the Vegas Strong uh, motto that they have had uh, for a few months now that would of course be an interesting angle kind of similar to Virginia Tech and the Orange Bowl run they had against KU uh, and how they were trying to play in honor of those people who lost their lives Uh, so this would be a very interesting season and a very good story for Las Vegas to share Uh, just a great team and hey look This is proof that a team in Las Vegas can absolutely succeed in starting off with the Golden Knights. And listen, of course as a Chiefs fan, I hate the Raiders as much as all of you guys. However, as someone who loves the city of Las Vegas, and and, and as someone who I think, I've hated the narrative of how sports in Las Vegas would fail, I really hope the Raiders can find ways to succeed. Not enough to to do better than the Chiefs, but enough to do great. I hope that happens, and plus that'd make a great rivalry with Kansas City. And I've said this before, man. Uh, I'm excited for the Raiders to go to Las Vegas. I am going to go to a Chiefs and Raiders game in Las Vegas. I'm definitely looking forward to that trip. Can't wait to see that new stadium and, of course, catch my team on the road. I've never seen a Chiefs game on the road before, so that would be very fun to see. One thing that was not fun to see nor listen to, uh, Fergie's National Anthem at the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, This was just atrocious. Um... I'd play the audio, I guess, if you haven't heard it, but I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to you guys, and I would I would deserve to lose downloads if that happened. But th- let me just say this with the National Anthem. I th- if some people are pondering whether or not we should drop it. I disagree. Here's what I think needs to happen with the National Anthem. If people are going to sing it, just sing it normally. Do not add... A special twist, uh, like there's so many people out there. When they say "Home of the Brave," they'll say "the Brave," and then they'll repeat the word "Brave" again. And I've I've even seen a Kauffman Stadium as the uh, audio director uh, for the Royals. Uh, I've I've seen singers say the word "the Brave" several times. It, just stop singing. It's over. We don't need to hear that those two words three, four, five times. Just sing it, get it over with. Sing it the way it should be sang. And I th- I feel like especially in the Super Bowl or Game One of the World Series when the national anthem is is, is shown or in All Star games, um, or, or these big primetime games, so many they obviously want a big name, a musician to to sing it, and they always have to add their own twist and make it sound so different and weird. Just sing it normally. Don't insult. Oh, uh, don't insult our uh, our the country. Come on, singing the way it needs to be sang. Now, someone else was having a bad week. Mark Cuban in uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, first, uh, there's this big story about uh, a former employee, a team reporter who uh has been accused of sexually harassing uh some employee uh, some other coworkers in the workplace and, and I'll give Mark Cuban credit here because he is taking the blame for this and he is speaking out on this publicly. He is not holding anything back. He's not hiding anything. A lot of times when you see stories like this, teams will uh, put out a PR statement saying we are investigating this. Nothing's confirmed. Mark Cuban is just taking it taking a bullet down and saying, "Look, I take blame for this. And that guy should have been fired a long time ago. So, uh, he's, uh, he, he, he's, uh, letting guys, uh, know about it. So, props to him because a lot of teams or schools, institutions, companies, they play this PR game where they try to cover it up and they, uh, they try to basically hide from it. Mark Cuban's not doing that. Now, Mark Cuban, uh, also, he, uh, He suggested to his team that they should tank for the remainder of the year. He admitted that in an interview, and he got fined $600,000 for it. Why is someone getting fined that they want to lose? Like, why is the NBA fining people for this? I know the NBA fines players and coaches if they criticize referees, which I think is ridiculous. But to fine someone for wanting to lose, for wanting to tank... I mean that is just new. I did not know that is doable. Apparently in the NBA rulebook, he could have been fined a million dollars. There's a rulebook for how much people will get fined for things. That's crazy. By the way, Mark Cuban has been fined a total of two point six million dollars since he has bought the Mavericks in two thousand. Two point six million. I mean, for all who knows, maybe he'd be willing to pay Kirk Cousins sixty million dollars. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of money to be fined for six hundred thousand dollars just because he said he wants to tank. I can't get over that. I don't know. All right, time to throw our penalty flags for this podcast. This is going to be a very fun penalty flag segment. Uh, First off, Eric Hosmer critics. Hosmer, of course, he uh, signed with the Padres on an eight-year deal. And by the way, this is very cool. He's wearing uh, number 30 to honor Jordano Ventura because 35 is retired for the Padres. But a lot of Royals critics, uh, come on. People are saying he's disloyal, he's greedy, just wants the money. You only followed him... For a couple of seasons. And now all of a sudden you're so... You feel so betrayed that he left. He did what was best for him. Oh my god. Shame on Eric Hosmer for doing what he thought was best for him. Shut up. Get over it. Eric Hosmer brought so much to this franchise. Could have left a long time ago when this team was not doing good. But he didn't. Stuck around. And he brought two ALCS titles... And a World Series title to Kansas City. Appreciate what he did for this team. And look, for all of you people complaining about Eric Hosmer leaving, they're the same people who started following the Royals in September of 2014 and are the same people who are going to stop following this team in a couple of months as they're projected to be one of the worst teams in the in the major leagues, I mean, look, I, I hate to say it, but uh, it, it, there's no reason to believe that they're going to do well, and they're probably going to go back to how they were before 2014. Hate to say it, but you know, all you people pretending to be diehard Royals fans since you were born, uh, we'll see uh, when uh, we see those uh, crowd attendance numbers this year because they're not going to be very high in 2018. Oh boy, Laura Ingram of Fox News told LeBron James and Kevin Durant to, quote, shut up and dribble, which is her, um, uh, shut up and, uh, the whole shut up and quote, that's a very famous quote she's had for many, uh, celebrities, telling them to stick to what they do, which I think is stupid. I mean, just because someone is a comedian or a musician or an athlete doesn't mean they can't, dive into it should we tell Laurent DuVernay Tardif to stick to sports and get away from being a doctor come on people can give their political opinion just because you don't agree with something this is all because LeBron James was a little vulgar and talking about Donald Trump and was criticizing him now by the way Laura Ingram did absolutely zero research on this Uh, she talked about this ESPN appearance she called it a podcast first of all it's not a podcast It's a video feature. Second of all, she talked about LeBron James who left early for high school. Little does she know that LeBron James finished high school still. Third of all, LeBron James, the amount of money he's making to, quote, shut up and dribble, he's using that to open an elementary school. Should LeBron James shut up and dribble then? I don't think Laura Ingram... Did herself any favors. And in her response to all the criticism, she, uh, now a lot of people said that the quote, shut up and dribble part, it was racist, which I I don't think it was. But she just wanted to talk about that part. She did not respond to the actual valid criticism that she received. And people do this a lot. They'll be criticized for one thing, but then there's one media outlet that incorrectly criticizes them and in their response to trying to defend themselves, they talk about the incorrect criticism that they're receiving. Shut up! You you, you you screwed up here. You took shots at two guys you probably should not have taken a shot at because they had legitimate criticisms of the president. And you did not do any research. in especially LeBron James and what he's done for our society. So I think Laura Ingram is the one who should shut up and stick to anchoring. And by the way, Chris Long destroyed her. He posted out all these screenshots of Fox News and all all of the non-politicians who they have had on as guests. Uh, guys like Bob Knight, Ben Affleck, um, so many, so many celebrities who have been on Fox News to talk to give their political opinions. Which I think is funny because we all know Fox News. They love to give the notion of sick to sports or sick to acting and whatnot. And uh, they're kind of paying the price for it by Chris Long, who I mentioned earlier on the podcast. Chris Long, not all heroes wear capes. Okay, I've got a, got to change a tone here on the podcast because, uh, you know, I, I get called a lot of things by some of you guys on social media, and, and look, I, I can take it. It's not, it's just, it's just, you know, either a computer screen or on my phone, depending. When I'm reading these comments. I, I don't I don't take these uh, comments very personally. Um, but man. Uh, somebody criticized me and said something to me. In which I got offended by. Uh, I'm going to read that person. First of all this was actually in response to the Laura Ingram uh, story that I posted on Facebook. Got a lot of reaction. I appreciate a lot of you guys who were respectful of one another's opinions on all of this. A lot of you guys were actually on LeBron and Kevin Durant's side. But Karen Johnson Gray, who commented on um, on the Facebook page, she called me an idiot. Which you know that's nothing, Norton. That's not out of the ordinary. I've been called an idiot by many people before. <laughs> but I took offense to of this. Here's why. Uh, I want to read her Facebook comment to me. She says, "Oh yeah, you sound really intelligent." She went to college. She referring to Laura Ingram. She went to college to do what she does, idiot. It was not about millions, only a idiot like you, who probably has no dreams to aspire to, would think that. That's her comment to me. She calls me an idiot and has the worst grammar ever. By the way, why is it that when people... Tell me that you're an idiot. They always use the wrong your. Why? I get offended by this. People are going to call me an idiot and they're going to use the wrong your or in this case with Karen Johnson Gray, she called me a idiot. I took offense to this. Don't call me an idiot if you cannot talk correctly. And I'm just going to take a guess. With Karen Johnson Gray And that she I'm I'm just going to take a guess and say she's racist And that she probably doesn't like it When she hears non uh, uh, non Non-speaking English people Yes, she cannot write English herself Called me a idiot Now I responded to her By the way I love responding to comments like this You guys know me For those who have listened to me for a long time You know me uh, so I responded, I wrote, you you probably shouldn't be calling people an idiot. Notice I wrote, the I had the proper, you know, preposition there before a vowel, a, a word that starts with a vowel. Uh, I, I told her, you probably shouldn't be calling people an idiot if you write, quote, only a idiot, just a thought. She deletes her comment, in which my response is also deleted because it's a reply to a comment, but I did the right thing and I screenshot that. Cause I know people are gonna delete their comments when they do things like this, so I screenshot that and I shared it. Karen Johnson Gray, uh, j- j- hold on, play the play the play the whistle again. It j- just j- I think I need to just keep playing it. it. It needs to it needs to just keep it needs to be played more, folks. I've said it before. I can take I can I can take criticism. I, I mean, look, uh, well, I was 16 years old when I started this podcast, and anytime I. I got attacked by people. I I, I did take it personally because, look, I was 16 at the time. And I, this podcast, even in life, you know, being bullied so much, I, I feel like I took bullying harder than a lot of people out there. And I'm not trying to play this, like, this uh this bully card that, you know, yeah, everyone's been bullied before. But I took it harder than a lot of people. And I, the, the best thing about this podcast for me on a personal level is... It's actually given me a lot of thick skin. Uh, writing for Bleacher Report and some of the comments I've, I, I had a Dallas Cowboys fan threaten to kill me, uh, just because I didn't uh, rank the Cowboys uh, as a top ten uh, r- with their running back tandems. Uh, I was th- threatened that I would uh, th- that the Cowboys fan would come through the computer screen and kill me. That has not happened yet. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Uh, but man, I, I mean, I have received so many comments over the years. I'm just, I, I, I eventually learned to laugh at these and. You know, of course, with parents, they get sensitive when they see their kids, and my mom was always just concerned, and at one point, I just told her, Mom, don't worry about it. I mean, these are just people on their computers. They're just typing things, and it took her a while, but she's learned to laugh at it, too. In fact, one of the first things I did, I I texted her this uh, screenshot of the lovely Karen Johnson Gray, and... She responded with the uh, crying laughing emoji. Like, like this is, the, 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 these are the type of people when they have this passive aggressive behavior and they just want to le- unleash on someone, they show an uneducated side to themselves. I mean, look, I don't care. People can call me an idiot all they want. I'm fine with it. I mean, it's just a computer. I'll, fi- I'll probably find something else to prove that you're an idiot. Whether it's using the wrong "your" or not having uh, calling me a idiot, I'll always find it's funny. I remember this guy uh, sent me like ten tweets saying that I was drunk and that I don't know nothing about the Chiefs, and the guy used the wrong "your," and I just simply tweet quoted it and and uh, did the correct "your" with the asterisk. So listen, I I mean, if you're gonna go out there and call uh, someone an idiot, can you guys please just use the right grammar? Because it's so offensive to me that someone would insult me and not use proper English while insulting me. Just watch. After this podcast, everyone's going to call me an idiot and they're going to use the right grammar. Just because that's how things work sometimes. Obviously, you guys get it. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not really offended by this. I, I can't be offended by someone who has absolutely no knowledge of how to write a proper sentence on Facebook while calling me an idiot. I mean, listen, here's what's going Obviously, with, you know, so many horrible things going on in our society, of course, the shootings going on with, um, uh, with what happened at the school in Florida. There's just so much negativity already going on in our world. So instead of adding more negativity to our society, and first of all, let me just say this. I didn't even give an opinion on the whole Laura Ingram thing. I just posted it, and I wanted people to share their thoughts on it. I did not give any opinion on this, and I was called an idiot for it. People just want to find negative things. They just want to have that negative angle. And I think really, and I mentioned this with the whole Laurent DuVernay-Tardif thing, we focus way too much on negativity. We want to be negative. We want to attack each other. Uh Somebody... uh Tweeted me and they thought that uh, Salvador Perez was a, was going to be a free agent after this year. And I said, no, he he actually signed a five year deal, so he's going to be around longer. If I if I said that, people were going to attack me and say that you you don't know how many years he signed. People just want to find a negative angle, whether it's correcting someone and being harsh about it, or uh, you know, with, with these gun debates, people just want to shove their opinions and force that to everyone else and be political about everything. When really I think we need to look big picture And even on sports debates People take it too personally sometimes I think we just need to look big picture And understand look There's already so much negativity in our world Unfortunately so many shootings out there um, You know with, with, with Politics and the negativity so much there Why are we adding so much Negativity Karen Johnson Gray is a great example of that And unfortunately I've given her so much attention on here But I think this needs to be a great example that we need to stop being so negative towards one another. As I've said, there's already enough negativity out there. Do we need to be negative towards each other over a respectful debate or even so, not even giving an opinion? Because I know in sports, I mean, we go, we get too amped up sometimes after a bat-chiefs game and we're just angry about it and some Chiefs fans want to defend certain players, and we start calling each other idiots because of because of certain opinions, uh, differences in opinion. There, we got to stop doing that, folks. We've got to move away from this and understand that there's so much neg- negativity out there, and it's so hard to get rid of that. Let's at least do what we can to squash negativity from our side and be kind to one another. If there's anything you take away from this podcast, at least take away that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. Big thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. Facebook.com slash Vesugian. Twitter.com slash farzine 21. Like and follow my page on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Email me farzine at FarzeeVesugian.com. So much covered on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Brett Beach seems like he definitely wants to do everything he can to fix his football team. The Chiefs picking up a good cornerback in David Amerson. The rumors about Marcus Peters. And of course... Some suggestions from ESPN about what they should do and also Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and what he wants to do and how that could be uh, something good for the NFL, making him a role model for young kids and adults and everyone everyone else out there. And of course, of course, this story we talked about with negativity and everything going on. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of this. You guys know the drill. Talk to me on social media. Email me. Love all the interaction with you guys. Even if you're just going to call me a idiot I'll probably have some fun at your expense for it. But hey, uh, I mean, what what can we do about it? Uh, Let's at least try to squash it in negativity. So you guys know the social media. Talk to me on there. I'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you guys. Same time, same place.